0: Our scripture reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prophets? Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Good morning. Welcome. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you again for this day that you have made. We thank you for the opportunity to gather once again in your name. And now, in the hearing of your word, would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you challenge us? Would you form us to become more and more like your son, our Lord Jesus Christ? For it is in his name we pray these things. Amen. This is now the third Sunday of Lent, and we continue to reflect on what it means for us to be the church as we live out our discipleship through a renewal of our commitments to Jesus Christ and to one another. As our Book of Order reminds us, the ministry of members involves reviewing and evaluating the integrity of our membership and considering ways in which our participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. Last week, we saw that we are a holy and royal priesthood. We are called to fulfill a ministry of worship and service, and that the ministry belongs to the entire people of God, not just to a select few ministers. The ministry belongs to each and every one of you. As the priesthood of God, as the priesthood of all believers, you are called to fulfill the promises you made when you became a member of this church. In response to the question, will you be a faithful member of this congregation, share in its worship and ministry through your prayers and gifts, your study and service, and so fulfill your calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You responded, I will, with God's help. In doing so, you made a covenant with one another to a particular way of life together. To be fair, when you made that covenant, most of you had no idea that it it would include being faithful to one another through a year of lockdown in a pandemic. Believe it or not, we held our last full in-person worship service on March 8th of last year. So it's been a full year since we've transitioned to online services. I know that gathering in this digital space isn't great, and it's only a shadow of our former worship services. I also know that all of you must be exhausted and just tired of Zoom. I know I am. And I feel like this is kind of where I'm headed. But I also want you to know that I'm so encouraged to see all of you keeping your promises and showing up. Thank you for being the church and doing the work of ministry. Now, early in the letter to the Corinthians, the apostle Paul described the people of God, the church, as God's temple, as God's field, as God's building, There isn't a metaphor that Paul doesn't like to use or to mix and to match, but perhaps the best known is what we just heard. The church is the body of Christ. Now you, that is we all together, the church, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are Christ's body because God makes this body possible. God makes the body, not us. Contrary to what many people think, the church is not a voluntary organization that we create by joining it. Of course, you make the decision to join a church or to leave a church, but ultimately you are here because God has called you here. Each of us, regardless of our other identity markers, are called to this body and made a part of it through the waters of baptism. In other words, our membership in the body is made possible by God, by His grace. Not only that, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as God chose. Your particular part in the body of Christ is in accordance with God's will. God does the placement as God desires. Think about that. You think you made the decision to move to New Jersey, this great state, because of a job or school. Yeah, you did. But it was also because God wanted you in this body, in this church. It's God's desire to put you here. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God decides, not us. As Paul writes, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, and so on. God put you here because God has a ministry for you to fulfill. God arranges as God chose. God composes and God appoints. It is God who makes this body possible. It's all God. this body that God creates is characterized by God, by unity. This was Jesus's great prayer for his people, for his church, his body. Jesus prayed to the Father that we might be one, become perfectly one, just as he and the Father are one. Our unity is an answer to Jesus's prayer. Our unity exhibits God's glory and witnesses to the world of God's love. Notice in our reading the use of the word one. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body as it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized into one body. We were all made to drink of one spirit. This means that we are intimately connected to one another and that we care for one another in the deepest possible way. It means that when one suffers, all suffer. When one is honored, all are honored. It's like when you stub your toe, it's not just the toe that cries out in pain and the rest of you feels fine. While the pain might be localized to that toe, it's your whole body that's screaming out in pain or when you run a race and you win, it's not just the feet that it's job, it's not just your feet that's celebrating, your whole body celebrates and is honored. Now, God creates the body in unity, but not uniformity. There is unity, but there is also a necessary diversity. We are one in the body of Christ, but also individually members of it. Paul draws an absurd picture of what homogeneity and the lack of diversity would look like. He writes, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Can you imagine an entire body that is just an eye or just an ear? The Russian writer Nikolai Gogol actually wrote a short story called The Nose about a nose that mysteriously mysteriously comes off a man's face, comes to life, and leads a separate life as a nose. The nose wears clothes and talks and ubers around town. It's sheer nonsense. And that's one of the points that the story makes. We're left to wonder, how does it get around? How does it talk? Who tailors its clothes? You can't really imagine it. Even a nose has to have some sort of feet to get around from place to place. Every part of the body has a different function and we are glad for it. Likewise, God has given different gifts, ministries, abilities, and skills to different people so that the church might be whole and healthy to fulfill every mission that God has entrusted to the body. So since God is the one who has put us together in unity and diversity, what does that mean for our life together? I think that there are at least two clear implications. First, it means that every member is valuable. Every part of the body is indispensable. It means that no one should have an inferiority complex because they think that they are not as important as others. And no one should have a superiority complex because they think that they're better and that others are less important than they are. Every single one of you is vital to the proper healthy functioning of the body of Christ. Each of you has a vital contribution to make. Does anybody know what this is any chemistry majors pastor Eric it's the chemical symbol for cholesterol during my first year in seminary my theology professor made a comment about the church that I've never forgotten he said that every Christian is a part of the body of Christ and that we all ought to work together toward building up the body of Christ, that we should not be useless and that we should not harm the body. And then he concluded, he shouted really, he said, don't be cholesterol in the body of Christ. You know, that's not bad self-advice. It calls us to take seriously our part and participation in the body of Christ. But it ought not to be used as a slogan to condemn and to judge others. In Corinth, what was apparently happening was that some people thought that they were better or more spiritual than the others because they had certain gifts, particularly the gift of tongues. And this attitude led to chaos in their worship and in their life together. And Paul tells them whether you are a foot or a hand or an ear or an eye, you are equally valuable in the body of Christ because each of you have been bought with a price by Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say that those parts of the body that may seem less honorable are just as important, perhaps even more so. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We cannot do without them. Every part of the body is needed and God is the one who has put us together in unity and diversity, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, that we care for each part as we do for every part. The ear cannot say to the body, I wanna be the nose instead. The small toe cannot say, I'd rather be the shoulder. I know it's good to have choices about your life, about where you live, about who you live with, about how you raise your children, about what job you pick, about what classes to take in school, about which video games to play, and so on. But in regard to your part in the body, you don't really get to choose. The nose is the nose. I know that in some churches, people try to choose. That people pray to receive certain gifts like the gifts of healing or prophecy, and especially the gift of tongues. In some denominations, this is a marker, actually, of genuine faith and of rebirth. But I wanna tell you that this is really a complete misunderstanding of what gifts are for and your part in the body. Our reading today ended with a list of some of the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul commands at the very end, but earnestly desire the higher gifts The greater gifts, the better gifts. American Christians, because of our default orientation is toward individualism, we read this verse as a personal command to seek the higher, greater, better gifts for ourselves. It's like a command to try harder to get the more spiritual, the better gifts from God. But that is not what Paul says. The command is not given to any one individual Christian. It is addressed to the entire church. Paul is calling upon the entire body, the church, to seek the higher gifts for the whole church, for the whole body. He's saying, but you, you all, the church, you all together earnestly desire the higher gifts. The church in Corinth, as they were trying to establish themselves, had a more urgent need for apostles, for prophets, for teachers, which Paul here identifies as the more important gifts. They weren't praying for themselves to have those gifts, but that the church might have them. The command is not an opportunity to try to outdo others in your own personal spirituality. It's about rather the seeking of the greater good of the whole church. The gifts of God are not meant to be a personal spiritual status symbol. I know that when I was younger, I fell into this trap. I wanted the better gifts for myself. I remember attending prayer meetings and having pray people for me to receive certain gifts. And I can tell you, I did not ask for the gifts of helping or for administration. I told myself I wanted these higher gifts because I wanted to serve God better, to serve the church better. I want to believe that I made those prayers sincerely, but I suspect that it was heavily mixed with a lot of insecurities and desire for self-success. It's easy to get jealous of others who seem to be more successful or more spiritual or who are more spiritually successful. But God made you for himself and for a particular ministry he designed for you to fulfill in the body. Only the foot can do what the foot can do. Only you can do what you are called to do. And without you, we the church cannot do what God is calling the entire body to do. If the Apostle Paul were writing today, He might say it's good to be the quarterback on a football team. I mean, everybody wants to be the quarterback, but you can't have a football team with only quarterbacks. It's good to play the piccolo, but you can't have an an orchestra made up entirely just of piccolos. You and your gifts Having been given to you because you and your gifts are needed for the well-being and the mission of the whole church. Paul said earlier in the chapter, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All gifts are given for the common good. So whatever gifts you have, it's valuable and important for the whole body. I know that I don't always recognize it at the moment, But as I look back, I can see how over the years, God has brought certain people with particular skills and gifts that were needed by our church in that moment. So be thankful for who you are and how God has made you, for your experiences, for your contacts, for your your desires. Each of you is valuable and each of you has an important role in the body of Christ. This leads to a second related implication of being a part of the body of Christ. And that is each of us needs one another. Each of us needs one another. I know that some of you are incredibly gifted and talented. I know that you are capable of handling a great, great deal on your own. But when it comes to the body of Christ, You cannot do everything. You should not do everything. We need one another. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Furthermore, you cannot choose to be apart by yourself, separated from the body. You cannot remove yourself from the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If we understand that God is the one who has made us into one body and that we have covenanted with one another, there is no way to self detach yourself from the body. Years ago, I told our session that I didn't like the idea of an organizational chart. A part of me resisted it because I didn't want a corporate feeling or what I imagined a corporate feeling might be since I have no idea what that is. Um, but I wanted to maintain a more family-like ethos in our decision-making. But as the church grew, it became necessary for us to have some sort of organization. And so we set up an org chart, but I suggested that we call it an organism chart rather than an organizational chart looks and functions more or less the same but calling it an organism chart was a small reminder that we are the body of christ a living entity that we have a shared life together and that we are not just an organization or a company trying to produce some product many of the new testament imagery of the church points to the fact that we are a living organism The church is called a bride, the vine and the branches, a flock, a family, and so on. We are not a structured organization run by managers and CEOs for maximal efficiency and the greatest profit. We are a living body and we need one another to function properly. We need every part of the body. As Pastor Dohee mentioned next week, we will be ordaining and installing Grace Cho as the newest member of our church. As a part of her preparation, she and I have been going over the book of order together now for the last several weeks. It may sound incredibly dull and boring to browse through a book of rules, but I have to tell you, I come away each time with a little amazement at the collective wisdom and the life to which it aspires. For example, consider these words. The unity of believers in Christ is reflected in the rich diversity of the church's membership. In Christ, by the power of the Spirit, God unites persons through baptism, regardless of race, ethnicity, age, sex, disability, geography, or theological conviction. This is a kind of summary of our reading today, isn't it? Our unity is in Christ made possible by the grace of God through the waters of baptism. Again, as Pastor Dohi shared, it is not earned. There's nothing that we do here. It is entirely by the grace of God. And that unity that God makes possible is essentially one of diversity. Diversity here includes the usual categories of race, ethnicity, gender, and so on. But I was quite struck by the inclusion of that last phrase, theological conviction. I love this phrase. I love this phrase. Because while having theological convictions are important, it's also more important that we recognize that one of our theological convictions is that none of us has the last word, the only word, or the final word, or the comprehensive word about God. It teaches us for us to have humility in our attitude toward God and toward others. In fact, we need multiple diverse voices in our life together to keep us from idolatry, from creating an idol of our own imaginations about who God is. We need one another to correct our false idolatrous image of God to which we so easily lean. In our church, at least, we are not arguing over the use of tongues in worship as the church in Corinth was but we have other areas of struggle when it comes to unity and diversity. Whether it's political positions, sexual ethics, or social justice, it's all wrapped up with our faith and theology. So we need to be reminded that we are the body of Christ that God has created in unity and diversity. I know that in this day and age, diversity tends to create further divisions. Peoples and nations are returning to tribalism. People enter into echo chambers and surround themselves with only those who think and look and talk like them. People listen for certain words like cancel and it triggers this immediate reaction to either embrace or to reject that person. Our churches too are increasingly reflecting the divisions of this nation. I know some of you, perhaps many of you, have strong political leanings. And I know that some of you feel judged for holding unpopular views. But the call we are given as the body of Christ is to be united in diversity, We must not separate or detach ourselves from the body because of even theological convictions, let alone political views. For me, this gives me hope. I know it's not easy to have unity and diversity and that it can be incredibly hard to feel comfortable with those who believe differently. But this is who we are as the body of Christ. We need one another. We need each other, especially those who are different from us, perhaps more than ever before. We need to remind each other that every member of the body of Christ is equally valued and loved by God. And we need every member of the body to fulfill the God has for his church In the world, we are the body of Christ, created by God in unity and diversity. We are put together by God, greatly valued, and made for one another. Therefore, whom God has joined together, let no one separate. Pray with me. God, you have made us for yourself, and you prayed for our unity, and you gifted us with diversity. May our unity in diversity, as the one body of Christ, bring you all the glory. We ask this. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, come, kingdom come, come, thy will, will be done on earth
0: as it is as in heaven. heaven.
1: Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our deaths as we forgive our debtors and leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.